How are y'all doing tonight? Good. You ladies, man, you are raising a ruckus behind me tonight. What's the matter with you? Think you are happy or something? Boy, I'll tell you. It's good to see everybody tonight. Yes, my name is Joe Greer, and uh, I am the campus pastor in Appleton, in case you guys didn't know. Uh, pastor Mark needed a little rest for his voice tonight, so I get a text message from him last night while I'm finishing up on American Idol. And uh, <laughs> can you preach for me tomorrow night? I need a rest. So I said, sure, no problem. And um, yeah, he's been doing a lot of traveling lately and everything. I know that you all been praying for him. And keep him in your prayers because it's hard on the voice. It's hard on the body. And, um, you know, especially with Pastor Mark getting as old as I am, you know, it's, <laughs> it, he doesn't have the endurance like he used to. So, <laughs> but he's got about three times as much energy as I've got, I have to confess. So I, I hold him in great admiration. Tonight. I thought we'd talk about this. Where is it? Is it up here yet? All right. We won't worry about it yet. There it is. Doesn't that look nice? Wouldn't you rather be there? Ten reasons why you're going to have a great time at church this summer. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this night. We thank you, God, for letting us be together again in this place. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your spirit to come and be with us. Teach our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, uh, this being the summertime, at least late spring, most of us went to, to work today in our short sleeves and the, the windows were open on the house. Well, actually, the windows were open at our house this morning, and then it just got unbearable, and then the windows were closed, and the AC came on. I had the AC on in my car last week for the first time, uh, and you, some of you are probably breaking out the, the camping gear, getting your boat ready for the summer. Spring is in the air in northeast Wisconsin. Hallelujah. It's great. Um, you also probably know that with the great weather and your hard-earned vacation time coming up, uh, Sundays at church can sometimes take a back seat. It's tempting, I know. Every pastor in Northeast Wisconsin will tell you that summer church attendance in Wisconsin is sporadic at best. Lots of empty seats, decreased offerings, et cetera, et cetera. It's just part of the plan. It's part of what happens in, in Wisconsin. What's surprising, though, is as you read through the New Testament, very, very little is said about church attendance. Matter of fact, did you know that this verse that we read in Hebrews is the only place in the New Testament specifically exhorting us to go to church. One place in the whole New Testament. Isn't that weird? Which might mean to some of us, see there, pastor, I told you so. You can go to church any way you want. Doesn't matter whether you're in the building or not. As long as we believe in our hearts, we don't have to go to church on Sunday. 
Well, do you really think that that's the reason that there is not much said in the New Testament about church attendance? Do you really think that it just doesn't matter where you are as long as you believe? Or could there be another reason? It's just not mentioned here, but could there be another reason why church attendance is important? Well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do, um, I'd like to talk to you tonight, first of all, about why people don't wash. Have you ever wondered why some people you know don't wash very frequently? Uh, I have here a list of 10 reasons why people don't wash. It's from a guy in, named Mike Herman. He lives in uh, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Listen carefully. This is why people don't wash. Number one, I was forced to wash as a child. <laughs> and so because I was forced to wash by my parents, I now realize that keeping clean was never my personal choice. It was something that was forced on me. And forced cleanliness has bruised my soul. It has preconditioned my brain and turned me against soap. I now know I can be perfectly happy without being clean. Number two, reason why people don't wash. People who make soap are only after your money. That's right. Anybody who tells you that you should wash is doing it for money and they probably stand to benefit from you buying their soap at the store. Wash regularly, they say, because they know that if you're washing, then you're buying soap, and they're gonna get rich off of you. They're not concerned with your health, oh no! They only want your money. Number three. I wash on special occasions, like Christmas and Easter. Twice a year is plenty, whether I need it or not. Four, people who wash are hypocrites. They think they're cleaner than everybody else. Now, why would a person who washes regularly have the audacity to think that they are cleaner than the person who only washes once a month? Five, there are so many different kinds of soap. I can't decide which one is the best. So until I can be sure that there's a final perfect choice of soap, one that's going to meet all of my needs and all of my expectations, I am not washing. I've been disappointed too many times to make any more false starts. Six, I used to wash. It got boring, and so I stopped. Exactly, washing should be fun and exciting and, and interesting. And when it's not, well, then it's just time to go on to other pursuits. Why be clean? It's no fun. Seven, none of my friends wash. <laughs> and if they don't, that's a pretty good reason why I shouldn't. Eight, the bathroom is never warm enough in the winter. It's never cool enough in the summer. I refuse to wash in a room that has not resolved its temperature issues. Washing is uncomfortable enough without having to suffer through cold and hot. Number nine, I'll start washing when I get older and dirtier. I'll do it when I'm too old to do anything else interesting with my life. While I'm young, I prefer to, prefer to skip washing and pursue useful things. 
things. And finally, I just can't spare the time. It takes up precious spare time to wash, time that could be spent doing other things that are much more important. Are you get my drift? <laughs> you know, when Gail and I lived in Texas, we didn't experience this summer church dip like we have in Wisconsin. But after living here a few years, we grew to understand and appreciate that summers in Wisconsin are a blessed thing. <laughs> and they are a welcome relief to our long, dark winters. But it still perplexed me how drastically church attendance would falter. And I have to confess that I've kind of vacillated over the years, you know, from saying nothing, I'm not going to say anything, it's just Wisconsin culture, forget it, to wanting to say very much as an expression of my frustration. Let's look at it this way. D.L. Moody, the great preacher in Chicago, was visiting a very prominent Chicago businessman at this man's house. Notice upper Midwest, Chicago, cold weather. And the subject of church membership and involvement came up, and they were sitting on either side of this uh, businessman's fire in, in two nice wing chairs. They're just sitting there talking, talk about church involvement. And this guy said something very familiar to D.L. Moody. He said, you know... I believe I can be just as good a Christian outside the church as I can be inside of it. D.L. Moody didn't say anything. He just stared at the fire. Instead of saying anything, he soon moved over to the fireplace. It was blazing away and trying to keep that house warm during that cold winter. And he took a burning coal out of the fire and he placed it on the hearth of the fire. And then he went and just sat back down and stared at it, and the two men stared at that burning coal for the next few minutes as it slowly but surely died out. Finally, the man said, I see. In light of this illustration, why do you think the New Testament is relatively silent regarding church attendance? You know what I think? I think there wasn't much said about it because little needed to be said to the New Testament church. It seems to be a given in the New Testament that believers came together regularly for their own spiritual health and survival. There is no mention of those who did not come together, none. So what written material there might be concerning this admonishment to actually physically get together for the saints in the New Testament, it's almost non-existent. It just seems that they got together, period. No questions asked, no debate. Nobody needed to remind them to do it. Or it just, they just didn't say anything about it. They just got together. Ten reasons why... I don't wash. I do, by the way. <laughs> but if, if you look at church attendance in that light, it starts to take on a little bit different picture, doesn't it? Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthians, you were washed, you were sanctified, 
You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And you know, when I undergo the washing of God, I am given membership in his body, the church. It's not a physical washing, it's a spiritual one. And our sins are washed away, our consciences are made clear, and we are restored to spiritual purity again. Not by our own good works, but by the grace of God, the sovereign action of God's grace in our lives. We are made fellow citizen in God, uh, citizens in God's household at that point, and then we discover a new fellowship, a new gathering place, where once we gathered with others who pursued things in the darkness and then went off by ourselves to do whatever our moods dictated for that day, we now discovered with great delight that God has a family too. And in that family, we have a lot in common, don't we? And it's been through the washing, the washing of God, that we have come to discover that wonderful privilege of being a part of his family. It seemed to be understood by these early believers that their place was with their new family and that their greatest source of joy and satisfaction and peace came to them when, when they were together with one another. And I get the impression that today things have drifted. Things are a little bit different in 21st century America. I think that we've either developed an aversion to or an indifference to Christian gatherings and Christian family. And now many people feel, and trust me, I know this because I've been in the ministry a long time and I've seen it happen. For a lot of people, the, the family of God is a take it or leave it situation. I can do with it, I can do without it, I'm fine. And as people leave the church or fail to attend regularly, what happens is that their absence actually starts to weaken the church. In other words, the church begins to become what these people who are absent predicted that it would be. It becomes useless, ineffective. Why? Because the church is not an organization, guys. It's not a club. It's not a corporation where if people leave or fail to show up, you just go and you get somebody else to take their place. It's, it's not designed that way. The church is an organism. Dum, 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 dum. It's living. The parts of the church are irreplaceable. And new parts cannot be generated when one is taken away. My absence makes the church a weaker place and it makes me a weaker person as a result. You know, just like brain cells that are lost from Alzheimer's, those, when those brain cells are lost, it's permanent. You can't replace them. So also is the spiritual loss that happens in the church and in the individual as he or she chooses, chooses to pull away from the church for what they may think is a season. If you think it doesn't matter, if you think church attendance doesn't matter, listen to this. 
It's a study from Dr. Harold Koenig of Duke University Medical Center. With regard to any mainstream faith, any mainstream faith, lack of religious involvement has an effect on mortality that is the equivalent to 40 years of smoking one pack of cigarettes a day. The lack of it. Another new study conducted mainly by researchers at the University of Texas found that those who regularly attend worship services lived an average of seven years longer than those who never attend. Now, please don't think that I'm saying these things tonight just to be self-serving, like I was saying earlier. I'm not here to sell soap. I... I'm a part of the church, and you're a part of the church. We are the church. We are a living organism. And God breathes his life into us when we gather together like we have tonight. That's what's going on here is God's breathing his life into us. You may not even be aware of what's going on. You may be here tonight, and you're hungry, or you've got a headache, or you had a lousy day at work, and you're feeling like God couldn't be farther away doesn't matter what you feel. I'm telling you as a fact, when you're together with the saints of God and the family of God, the Lord's doing stuff in you that you might not even feel. Breathing life into you. Why? Because we're an organism. Unfortunately, a lot of people have chosen not to believe what I just said, and as a result, they'll withdraw from the fellowship of the church, and then the condition of the church begins to deteriorate because they are not there. Let me emphasize again, if you withdraw from the fellowship of the church, you suffer and the church suffers. You suffer from the lack of fellowship and the receiving of God's blessing and the church suffers because she desperately needs you. To make that body function, to make that organism function the way it's supposed to function. Let's not be religious hitchhikers. R. Kent Hughes wrote this, church attendance is infected with a malaise of conditional loyalty which has produced an army of ecclesiastical hitchhikers. The hitchhiker's thumb says, you buy the car, You pay for the repairs and upkeep and insurance. You fill the car with gas, and I'll ride with you. But if you have an accident, you're on your own, bud. (laughs) And I'm probably going to end up suing you. And so it is in the church. This is what people say. You go to the meetings and serve on the boards. You grapple with the issues. You do the work of the church. You help pay the bills. I'm going to come along for the ride. But if things don't suit me at your church, I'm going to complain and probably bail out. My thumb is always out for a better ride. Ecclesiastical, religious hitchhikers. Let's understand together that church attendance is much more than just attendance. It is indispensable communion. It is a life-giving thing. Whether it's summertime or wintertime, it gives life to us when we're together. It's such a basic part of Christianity that the early church fathers, they didn't even spend their time reminding their people about it. They assumed that that they'd all have enough aptitude and spiritual wisdom to see why it was important and get together. That's why they didn't spend any time talking to them about it. My hope is that as each of us contemplates our plans for the summer, that we will first contemplate God. 
Is God in your plans for this summer? If not, let me remind you of 10 awesome benefits as you continue to return to church this summer. Here are the benefits. I told you about why people don't wash, 10 reasons why they don't wash. Here are 10 wonderful benefits why you're going to be blessed if you come to church this summer. First, realize I'm not being forced to attend church. Instead, I'm taking advantage of an incredible opportunity to live and find purpose in my life. Two, I know better than to think that God's family would only be after my money and care nothing for me, and so I freely give to honor my wonderful God. Three, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> we talked about that. Oh, yeah, they're awesome occasions, great opportunities for worship. The highlight of my spiritual year as I remember Jesus Christ's come, coming and his death and resurrection. Yes, highlights. And because Jesus roused himself to come for me out of his perfect home in heaven, I'm going to rouse myself to come worship him on the Sundays between and after Christmas and Easter. All God's people said amen. Number four, I know the church isn't perfect, and it's probably full of other hypocrites just like me. <laughs> and we're all in this together, aren't we? And Jesus Christ promised he's going to change each one of us, isn't he, from glory to glory and fashion us into his perfect bride in his time, not your time. Five, there are so many different kinds of churches, it's hard to choose which one is best, but God loves me so much that he has chosen a special place for me where I can serve him and grow in him. And since he loves me, I know that the place that God chooses for me deserves my best because he only gives the best. You got the best here at Celebration. If God's called you to be here, this is God's best for you. Hallelujah. Six, I've discovered, I've discovered that even though church gets boring and fails to meet my expectations, it is still, still Christ's chosen method of revealing his love to the world. I've grown up, I've matured to the point where I'm willing to ex accept my brothers and sisters with all their failures and weaknesses so we can work together to bring Jesus to all of those people who don't know him. I'm getting past the thing about church not meeting all my needs and not being perfect. Seven, I've discovered that I can attend church and I can be active in God's kingdom even when my friends don't go. Why? Because being a Christian means I'm part of a new family now and God has wonderful friends for me in this place. Good friends. Many of you have made friends in this place that you never thought you'd have. Eight, I've learned that the comfort or the discomfort of a church building are always, always going to be problems to deal with, amen? Some like it hot, some like it cold. It's that way at your house, too. <laughs> and you don't move out of your house, and you don't leave your spouse because the thermostat isn't right. But I've also learned that the real church is the gathering of God's people in whatever place he chooses, and that makes it possible to worship anywhere, whether it's hot or cold. We can worship God together. Nine, I've learned that I don't have to wait until I'm old to serve God. Take it from somebody who met Jesus when he was 20 years old. I am so glad I did. You don't have to wait. 
Do it now. Please do it now if you're young. I have discovered I can serve Jesus in my youth and in my old age. I can serve him now because I don't know if there will be an old age for me. And finally, I have found that not having enough time to go to church usually means one thing. It means my priorities have gotten all screwed up and they've gone amiss. And it's time to put things back in their place. And so I value the church because the church is what God values. And so I give God the time. I make the time because it's worth it for me. Pastor Mark, amen. I'm probably preaching to the choir tonight. The ones that should have heard this message probably decided not to come to church tonight because it was too hot outside. Whatever. Pastor Mark's emphasis in his teaching this year is on the second, the second word. I held up three fingers. It's the second word in our value statement. Be real, belong, become. The belong part is what we're talking about and emphasizing this year. Belonging to a part of a body, a church that's bigger than me, a movement, a, a, a thing that is bigger than me that's important It feeds my soul, and then I, in turn, feed it. Belonging means to be a part of. It means to be involved in. It means that this is my family. This is where I receive my spiritual life. This is where I come for healing and for reassurance and correction and instruction. This is where I come in order to become a healthier person. Our hope is that you won't forget that as we go into this summer season is very important. We remember this all year long, all summer long, that this is where we belong. This is where we get our life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for letting us be together again in this place tonight. And uh, Lord, how much we enjoy because we belong to you. How many blessings are ours because we've named your name and Lord that we have chosen to come together with a wonderful family of faith here in this place Lord remind us this this summer about these things Lord if we're tempted to drift if we're tempted to walk away if we're tempted to not treat the things of God as holy things and important things in our lives Lord bring us back to our center and help us learn to appreciate and love the fact that you are in your church. Help us to love your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.